You can uh, turn your Bibles to Revelation 21. Uh, we, of course, have been walking through Genesis here at Bloomfield. And uh, as I learned of the events of the weekend, yesterday morning on my way back from North Carolina, I asked that uh, God would give direction and wisdom as to what we needed to look at today. And so we're going to pause in that study and uh, look to a passage that I believe gives us great hope. And uh, a hope that I think that as Christians is the only thing that we have to cling to in days like this. So if you would turn to Revelation 21. Uh, just to let you know, this morning will be a little bit different. Uh, I want to look at this text, talk about it a, a bit. Uh, mostly about the hope we find in Christ through it. And then uh, towards the close of our service, we're going to have some time to pray for the Ellises And uh, lift them up. Um, I do want to mention this now because I know I'll forget. I forgot in the first service. Uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, we are going to be praying for their family. Uh, so we'll, we'll have our stuff tonight. But um, as far as the adult Bible study, we're just going to meet in here and just pray and invite you guys to come back for that. We're just going to look at some Scripture and, and pray for them. Um, I was in North Carolina yesterday morning. Pastor Leon and Pastor Nick were out there with the family and ministered to them greatly. And I went out last night and once you know on behalf of the family that they've asked for prayer, that that's the greatest need they have right now. I know as Christians we want to do something. Uh, that is what we need to do. And so I ask that you would do that. And uh, I will lead you through that here in just a moment. But first, uh, we're going to look to a, a passage that um, that I cling to. In times like this, and I hope it will be an encouragement to you. This is a vision that God gives to John late in his life in exile for his faith. That he sees a, a vision of what is to come. Chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, this is what God's word says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, clinging to the truth. These are trustworthy words and these are true words. And Father, I pray in these moments that you would give us hope through them. Father, we continue to lift up the Ellis family to you. We pray for Amy and we pray for Hunter and we pray for Parker. And Lord, we pray for so many who are grieving today. Lord, you tell us in your word, we do not grieve like those who have no hope. Our hope rests in the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that hope in these moments this morning, in the days and months and years to come. And we pray for this in Christ's name. 
Amen. I, uh, I admittedly tend to come to the Bible so often very academically. I want, to, I want to learn it. I want to understand it. I want to know what words mean. I want to help you know what words mean. And in that, sometimes uh, I don't take the time to pause and look to the story that is there, the, the personalities of these people that God used. And, and when I do that with texts like this, I believe it helps me and I pray it helps us to understand what a, what a word of hope this was for John. Uh, John was an apostle who we see in the Scripture as one who, who followed Jesus very closely. Uh, you see Peter, James, and John mentioned together. James was John's brother. And, and they were a very tight-knit group of people. And among so many who followed Jesus, you had the twelve. And even within those twelve, you had these three. And Jesus poured into them. And, and they, like so many others, looked to Jesus initially as, he, He's going to make everything right now. He's going to restore a kingdom now. He, he's going to rule now. That's not what happened, at least not in the way that they thought it would. And so you see someone who followed Jesus so closely ends up getting a front row seat to suffering and to pain and to loss. The Bible tells us that on the evening that Jesus was betrayed, that John and Peter, specifically when the disciples scattered, they followed. They went into the courtyard and there, John likely had a front row seat to see our Lord beaten and mocked. Scripture goes on to tell us of all the disciples, there's only one who's mentioned that's there at the cross. And it's John watching his Lord suffer and be crucified. We know John often as the one who was not martyred. But I don't think that John would have chosen that. Because it's not a task we long for to watch others suffer. What do you say when people suffer terrible loss? We don't sign up for that. And especially when you have someone you love, a child, a grandchild, and you watch them suffer, you, you, you have that moment where you say, Lord, let it be me. If I could just swap places. If I could just take this for them. Yet John didn't get to do that. His own brother James, it tells us in Acts 12, was killed with a sword as a martyr of the faith. John would go on to see, church history tells us, every other of the apostles killed for their faith. And he would be the one left standing. He would watch suffering, and then he himself would suffer as he was exiled to the island Patmos. And, and that's the context here. That's the story here. This is the story of an old man who suffered time and time again. An old man who probably had a lot of questions like we have. The, the hardest thing for me as a pastor is, is questions we just can't answer. And we have a lot of those right now. And we may not get answers to all the questions we have. And I can only imagine in John's situation as he looked towards what he thought was going to happen and what he thought life would be like, and as he found himself on his knees in a cave, that he probably had some questions as well. And God gives him this word, this picture. 
And it's not just for him, church. It's for us today. Because this is the hope we need. You already have and you will have conversation after conversation about the whys and the whats and the hows. Those conversations will not bring you hope. The the endless search on social media for what people say, the the news stories, those things will not bring you hope. This Word will give you hope. Because this Word is, is a picture and a voice for John. It's a picture and a voice for us as the church today. It's a picture of what is to come and it is a glorious picture. John looks out and he gets this magnificent picture of a new heaven and a new earth of God in all His splendor and glory and what He has prepared for those who follow Him. And he sees it. And I think he had longed for it. And we cheapen it to book after book about what people think they saw or what heaven might be. And it's so much rubbish out there. This is a picture that John received from the Lord of what was to come. And this is where he placed, I believe, his hope. And friends, this is where we place our hope too. Because we will not get answers that will satisfy We will not get justice that will appease. But we have the hope of one who is sovereign over all and who gives us a picture to where we as followers of Christ are going and we can see it. We do not know how long it will be. We don't know how long it will be before we get there or before He returns. But this is where we're going. And John sees this. And this is why in the closing verses of this letter, this book, John prays this. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And we as a church need to pray that. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Because with that, John receives a word from God in addition to a picture of what that coming of Christ will entail. Says a loud voice came from the throne. I like loud voices from God. I need loud voices from God, and you do too. That this word loud in the Greek is where we get the word mega for megaphone. This is God shouting to John. This is God shouting to us today, church. This is what is coming for us. In your grief, grieve. In your mourning, mourn. But don't forget what is to come. The dwelling place of God is with man. Do you ever feel like God is distant? Do you ever feel like there's moments where you don't know if God knows what's going on as if He could not know, but you you feel that way? We are assured that there will be a day when we will not feel that way. When God dwells among us, the picture in the Old Testament of God dwelling in the tabernacle is the picture here of God dwelling except it is among His people. And with that, such a personal word, verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You don't just go wipe a tear from somebody's eyes you don't know real well. In fact, I don't know about you, but I don't probably count on one hand the number of people I would allow 
to wipe the tears from my eyes. The people are close enough to me where that would not feel weird or awkward, where that would feel personal. And that's what we see of God. He is, he is wiping the tears from His children's eyes. And not only that, He gives us this word. Death shall be no more. Mourning will be no more. Crying will be no more. Pain will be no more. For the former things have passed away. There's a picture here of when we come into the church and when we worship, we we get just a, a glimpse there of what we will one day see as a whole of just worshiping and praising God. But that's a very different experience than we walk into the funeral home. We walk to the cemetery. Those are fading glimpses that one day will be no more. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful for that. Because I get very tired of the funeral homes and I get very tired of the graveyards. And I need to be reminded that one day, no more, because Christ has defeated death. And He will raise those who have walked with Him and we will be with Him forever. And Christian, that is the hope we have in Christ. And that is the hope that we need to share with others. Because as we pray, come Lord Jesus, come, we are also reminded of so many who do not know Christ. So many who need to hear that. But for those who know, we need to share with them the hope we have in Jesus. And I hope that's where your hope is today. And I hope you will pray for those who are grieving so much this morning, so much this Lord's Day and in the days to come that God would fill them with this hope. I want to read to you just a few verses, I think, that reiterate this point. I don't want to ask you in the coming days and even in the moments as we pray here shortly that you would be mindful of these words. This is church, how we are called to pray. For those who are grieving, this is how we are to pray as we grieve. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. This verse is a reminder to us that we live in the tension of the already and the not yet, what Christ has done and what He has called us to. We we will be afflicted but not in every way. We will feel the crushing weight of the sin and the evil in our world. We will be perplexed. We will scratch our heads. We will cry. We will mourn. We will ask questions. We won't understand. But we need not be driven to despair. We will be mocked and persecuted, but we will not be forsaken. And there will be times when we feel like the floor has fallen out from under us and we have been struck down. But God says you will not be destroyed because there is one who has been crushed. There is one who has been driven to despair. And it is Christ Jesus who bore those things for us. And because of that, we can have hope. 
Jesus says in Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn. Mourning doesn't seem like such a blessing, does it? But Jesus finishes that statement with this, For they shall be comforted. He doesn't tell us how we're going to be comforted. He doesn't tell us that it's going to be immediate. But there's the promise that we will be comforted. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Church, we are to grieve. But God's word says we should not grieve as others who have no hope. One of the saddest things I've ever witnessed in my life is the grieving of those who have no hope. But friends, we, we have hope. We have a great hope. I so wish this passage said that you may not grieve, period. (laughs) But it doesn't. As Christians, we're not given an exempt clause from grief. In fact, we're told we're going to suffer. We're told we're going to grieve. But friends, we do not grieve like those who have no hope. And if you catch yourself but for a moment in the coming days, grieving like those who have no hope, stop. And open up this word and be reminded of the hope we have, the hope that is to come, the day when God Himself will wipe the tears from our eyes and death will be no more and mourning will be done, crying will be done, pain will be done, these things will be past. And between this day and that, if ever there was a moment to pause and consider, pause and consider, repent and believe, All those silly little things that a couple of days ago seemed to be so important, be done with it and walk with Christ. This morning, we need to have hope. And we need to pray that God would give others hope. I talked to Amy last night and texted her this morning. I told her that that we were going to pray and we're going to pray and We're going to do something a little differently. If ever there was a time for us to get on our knees and pray, this is the time for us to get on our knees and pray. Understanding everybody here can't do that. You can stand, you can sit, you can do whatever you want to do. But for those who are comfortable, I'd ask that you come out to the aisle, come up front here, get on your knees, and we're going to pray. We're just going to take a few minutes just to pray. You just, with whoever's there with you, just pray and ask for God to bring hope in this situation. Pray specifically for Amy and for Hunter and for Parker. Pray for our community as we deal with this loss. And pray that God would give us the hope that we can find in Christ. So if you would stand with me. Leewin's going to come up and just play in the background here. And again, I'm asking you just, if you would, to pray right now for Amy and for her family. And uh, if you would join with me in praying, and I will, uh, I will close us in a few moments.
I want to read a couple of verses from the psalm that I started with and then pray for us again. The psalmist says in Psalm 34, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off from memory of them from the earth. But when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. If you would pray with me. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, there are those who I'm sure right now feel that their spirits are crushed. And they don't want to get out of bed. But Lord, I do thank you for the cross. And I thank you that Jesus was crushed for us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to grieve and to mourn. And help us, Lord, to trust in you. And Father, help us in these days to walk closely with you. To have conversations with others we desperately need to have because we don't know. How many more of those will have with people? Father, we uh, pray that you would give us hope in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand with me and lift your voices.